away at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mad Dog Pod. I'm Nate. I'm Gabe. And I'm Andrew. Sorry for the delay in videos or in episodes coming out. We've all been moving back to college and getting like moved into our apartments and stuff. So we've been really busy in the past week. We've been trying to keep up on Twitter, but we weren't able to put out any content. We're going to have a couple of episodes coming out this weekend. Today's episode, we're just going to be giving news updates on each of the three teams. So Gabe, do you want to start us off with the Browns updates? So maybe the most noteworthy for the Browns is the amount of injuries they've had in training camp. So first, I'll just read off the injuries, the significant ones. Obviously, there are minor players getting injured, but these are the guys that were supposed to be key contributors this season. So Kevin Johnson just got out of the hospital with a lacerated liver. Nick Chubb just got out of concussion protocol. Miles Garrett had a hamstring injury. Grant Delpit just recently is uh, getting an MRI on his Achilles. He got carted off the field today in practice. And Mac Wilson hyperextended his knee, and he will have possible surgery. And then Greedy Williams also got injured today. Um, but that's an unknown right now. And maybe we'll start off with the most recent one. Um, guys, a guy that we were really high on coming out of the draft. I know I was, and I know Andrew was. Um, Grant Delpit. It's looking like it's a torn Achilles, which is a huge blow because – we mentioned that the safety position was not a deep position for us. We signed Sandejo in the offseason, and Delpit was supposed to slot in and be one of those key contributors this year. And to see him down, especially with the Achilles injury this early in his career, it, it, it puts, a, shadow, it puts a, a dark spot on not only this season, but maybe future seasons for Grant Delpit. So what are your guys' thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, coming out of the draft, I was – you know, as you said, really high on Grant Delpit. You know, he was looking like he was going to be really good in the future for us and possibly a starter this year, uh, probably. Um, I mean, right now it's going to probably be like Carl Joseph and Sendejo starting at, at our safety positions, um, which it's kind of mediocre, to be honest. But maybe Sheldrick Redwine could step up into that uh, free safety position instead of Sendejo and, you know, actually shine and be like, you know, look like the future uh, free safety that we need. But um, for right now, he's just had a really good camp and, you know, we'll see how it goes in the future. Yeah, for me, it's really troubling to see that with the exception of Nick Chubb, all of our injuries are on the defensive end. And with the exception of Miles Garrett, they're like all not on the D line. So we're getting injured in the places where we don't have depth right now, which is going to be really concerning. Like we had an injury with Mac Wilson to our linebackers. We have two to cornerbacks and one to safety, which are probably the three biggest holes on our roster at this point. So I'm hoping that it's a quick recovery for Grant Delpit. It probably won't be because it's a torn Achilles and same with Kevin Johnson with a lacerated liver. I don't know the details of how bad that can be, but just hearing it, it sounds like it's a very, very bad injury and one that's going to take a while to recover from. Hopefully Mac Wilson can get back into it. And Greedy Williams, obviously it happened today. He walked off the field fine. So I'm thinking that it's not going to be a big injury, 
but it's very troubling to see from a Browns fan's perspective that our defense is getting injured in places where we need defenders. And just another thing on Grant Delpit, one of the concerns was that he had an ankle injury last year and that made, he had a tough time tackling and he blamed it on the uh, ankle injury. We, we didn't know if that was the root cause of it, but we don't, we just want to say it's not confirmed it is an Achilles injury, but when you see someone holding their Achilles and getting carted off the field, it's not on, it's not uh, stupid to assume the worst. Yeah. Um, so also um, the Ravens just released Earl Thomas. So the Browns had a, a reportedly some interest in Earl Thomas before he signed with the Ravens. If Delpit is out for the year, I don't know if you feel comfortable, like Andrew said, relying on Sendejo and Carl Joseph. I feel more comfortable with Carl Joseph, but Sendejo and Sheldrick Redwine, then I could see us going after Earl Thomas. I know he's had some issues and with uh, the culture in Baltimore, and people don't seem to like him in Baltimore, at least those were yeah. the reports coming out. But if he can keep his head on right, I think that would be a good addition for the Browns. Um, what do you guys think about an yeah. Earl Thomas addition? I mean, before he signed with the Ravens, and obviously before we drafted Grant Delpit, um, I really would have liked him on the Browns for the, you know, for that season and also this season possibly. But right now it's kind of a really tough position because we probably wouldn't want to sign him long-term. It would be something short because, I mean, we obviously don't know the real situation with Grant Telpit. And, I mean, he was starting to look promising in uh, camps. But, you know, maybe a one-year deal would be good for us, but also, would he really want that? He could probably find something better elsewhere. You know, other teams need safeties, so Dallas. It, it's Dallas tough. Cowboys yeah, Dallas, like a perfect fit for. Yeah, exactly. So, obviously, it's kind of a pipe dream at this point, but you know, anything can happen. <laughs> I could really see us signing him on like a like overpaying him for one year for him to get like his bounce back season because no one really knows like what happened in Baltimore and why they had issues. So like he could sign with us one year, get a little bounce back season, get his name back out there as like a top safety and not with like all of these issues that he's having. And then he could go get a big contract somewhere else. Because if we are signing Earl Thomas, like Andrew said, it's not going to be a long-term deal because we have like young guys that we have to start paying and like we don't want to lock up Earl Thomas. So, like, I think a one-year deal would be the only way it happens, but I don't see him taking it. So, uh, we'll transition into probably the next most serious injury. Um, we questioned this in the Browns preview, the linebacker position. Mac Wilson, hyperextended knee. It looked like it was going to be an ACL tear. Thank God it's only a hyperextended knee. But it still is a very serious injury where he might need surgery. He's going to be, I think, at least out eight to ten weeks without the surgery. If he gets the surgery, it might be season-ending. We'll see. But um, it, the Browns made a move uh, recently. They signed Malcolm Smith, who is a former Super Bowl MVP. He's a linebacker. Um, I think he last played for Dallas, if I can remember correctly. But um, it's a good addition, but it's not a game-changing addition. It's just a, a guy that can fill in. Um his best years are behind him, but he still like, can be a key contributor and a, a good to have a veteran in that young linebacker core. 
that was a big thing that I was worried about and something that I talked about on our preview is like, even if you don't agree with the, the amount of money they're making now or like the, that they had like a big impact on the field for us, the impact Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey had in our locker room and four players like Mac Wilson was really, really big. And letting both of them walk, which I do think was a good idea, definitely is gonna was setting us up to have issues in our linebacker room with just a bunch of young guys and Mac Wilson really being the leader of our linebacker core. So I think this is just a good move. Honestly, something that I hope we would have done regardless of a Mac Wilson injury because he can be a good mentor for Mac while Mac's hurt and also for other young guys we have like Taki Taki. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he's kind of on his the end of his career, but he could still provide some, you know, some good uh, depth on a team, and which we obviously need. And our linebackers position is obviously the weakest position we have. And, I mean, I don't know. There's nothing really much to say about it other than that. It was, yeah, I, I think I was, now uh, we can transition into how our team's been doing during training camp. We talked about all the players getting injured at training camp, but there are a couple of – like big names that are shining in training camp as well as some that are unfortunately struggling. Uh, I'll start off. I haven't looked that much into how our training camp's going. I just get the updates and from the Brown social media, from what like all media that is in attendance and all the players are saying, Odell Beckham has been shining in training camp. If you go to any Brown social media post, it's probably him like mossing guys and making crazy one-handed catches from Baker and I just love to see it. Like, it's good to see some highlight plays to get Browns fans excited. And it's great to see Odell, who we know can be a little bit of a diva at times with what happened with him and the Giants and just, like, the issues that happened throughout his career. It's good to see him happy, good to see him making big plays, and good, really, really good to see him and Baker clicking because that was the big thing I was worried about this year was that connection actually happening. Yeah, they're saying that, like, this is the best he's looked, like, since he's come here and that's really promising and really good to hear. So, but going on to the next, uh, one of the like sort of duds of camp, which I mean, I, we talked about in our preview, this guy kind of providing some veteran leadership in our offense case Keenum. He's apparently been terrible (laughs) and, uh, you know, he's not really there to, you know, play quarterback unless of course we, Hopefully it doesn't happen, but, you know, a possible Baker injury this year, you know, I don't want to say anything, but like, you know, if, you know, he has to step up in a backup role, that's really kind of bad to see um, that he's struggling. Uh, But I mean, he's really there to provide some veteran leadership for us. And I hope he's doing that, which is kind of his main role in the team, you know, but he's not throwing the football well is what we're hearing. Another guy who's been having issues is our draft pick, Jedrick Wills. I haven't heard that much about it, but apparently he's just been struggling with, like, the fitness and getting used to the systems and everything. So hopefully he'll get some mentorship. Maybe he'll get a phone call from Joe Thomas. But that's someone that I'm not that worried about right now. Struggling, like, he's adapting to the opposite side of the line and, like, He's a it's, young. He's a rookie. It's not. It's not uncommon for rookies to struggle with NFL systems when they come in, um, especially when you're switching a position like that. Um, 
I, I'm still confident that Jedrick Wills, Willis will be a great player for the Browns. Um, uh, I don't see uh, – the fitness stuff will come too. Uh, it's only the first week of training camp. Yeah. Um, so I, I look at those as minor problems for um, for him struggling. Um, another stud – well, two studs actually is the uh, tight end position. Austin Hooper um, looks like he's going to be a great addition this year uh, through the first week of training camp along with Harrison Bryant. Their connection with Baker has been really good and uh, – I can't wait to see uh, what they do on the field when it's actually game time. That's a yeah. position that's going to be really interesting this year, especially since reports are that David Njoku has been struggling, which means that David Njoku could drop to our third tight end, despite in the past week him revoking his uh, trade request and actually like saying he wants to be in Cleveland long term. So I don't know if someone like told him last week that like we do run a two tight end system now, so he'll actually play, but now he wants to be in Cleveland and he's sucking again. So our yeah. new young tight end top guy in college football at the position might overtake David Njoku and just put him in this weird predicament where he has to request a trade again. Yeah. Uh, there was some, they are, it wasn't a video, but one of the reporters, you know, who was at camp, said that David Njoku like dropped a wide open touchdown that would have like won them a scrimmage or something like that. And everyone was kind of just, you know, uh, crapping on him for it. And, you know, which you don't like to see, but uh, it's, it's, it's a very uh, possible thing that he could drop to be our third tight end. You know, I, I wouldn't really like to see because I kind of like Njoku, but yeah, you know, it's that tough. is concerning though. That again, yeah. the big problem with Njoku is catching passes. Mm-hmm. He's dropping balls. Like, yeah, it's still the same problem, and that's worrying. It shows that it's not really clicking with him. I don't know what is going on with it, but God, I hope he puts it together because athletically, the guy is a freak. Yeah, and like, if he puts it together, it's yeah. like he can be a top tight end in the he's game. Built, yeah. He's built and athletic enough to be like a gronk but he just doesn't have hands right now and besides the like 20 seconds of hard knocks where it showed him using the jugs <laughs> machine i don't know if he's even working on his hands so we got to see if he's actually going to put in work if not it is good that we did draft a high potential tight end this year just mm-hmm. to help stefanski's system which is very reliant on the two tight ends yeah. but We'll see how it goes. It doesn't seem the Browns are too confident in Njoku right now. Yeah, and it doesn't seem that he's yeah. very confident either. I mean, yeah, when you're when you look at like all the top tight ends over the years, most of them have you know shined because they have great hands. And when you have yeah. a tight end who doesn't have good hands, that's not good. Especially so, what, especially when they are, like Njoku is not known for his blocking. Yeah. Exactly. And so, considering we now have a fullback, so we don't even need a tight end to block. We yeah. really just need hands on our tight ends. Yep. Uh, one more stud that I wanted to point out that it, I talked about him earlier, but uh, Sheldrick Redwine, again, he's been looking very good. Uh, he was kind of, you know, coming to this year in a tough position, was looking like a backup role um, behind Grant Delpit, of course, and then possibly Sendejo. But – apparently he could be making some headway into the starting position this year. Uh, I hope that comes true. I mean, 
I kind of liked him uh, watching him in camps and preseason and stuff last year. I'm hoping he can turn into a real star. It said that he's like got uh, a bunch of picks the last couple of days. So uh, hopefully he can turn into something good for us this year. Yeah, last year's Red Wine showed uh, a lot of good tackling on the uh, special teams end of the field. Um, so that is encouraging, especially when you have that guy, you know, your your stud safety go down, that other guys are starting to step up. And hopefully yeah. Red Wine just continues to grow and grow. And, hey, maybe he takes the starting job over Delpit if Delpit yeah. is seriously destroyed by this Achilles injury. Yeah, so I just saw that uh, last season he actually – he so he played in 12 games and he actually started in five. So, yeah, yeah. At I the mean, end, yeah. towards the maybe, end. Maybe, yeah, so sure. maybe – so maybe he'll get the starting role this year. No matter what, it is good to hear that, like, with Delpit going down, we do have, even though it's, like, one of our weaker positions, Redwine is stepping up. I think with that, we're going to transition into talking about the Indians. So with the Indians, we're going to discuss potential deadline trades because we have so many starters and we need outfielders. There's like a very clear trade that we can make there. And also just give a quick shout out to Tristan McKenzie, who made his first MLB start this past week where he went six innings, only gave up two hits, one run and had 10 strikeouts. He's the first pitcher to make their MLB debut and have 10 Ks um, since I think 2018 when a Red Sox pitcher did it. And overall, he just looked dominant in the game and the best the best thing that i saw from that game watching it was the confidence like this guy with two strikes on a batter was throwing just throwing cheese down the middle like he just whipped a fastball and i think it went like 98 struck the dude out guy fell over and he just looked like he belonged which is something that you really like to see especially from a starting pitcher in their debut yeah, one of the things I love to see is that he was really utilizing corners with low fastballs, which is yeah. what you love. And then also, as a young pitcher, get he got up in the count so many times mm-hmm. against hitters. I know it's the Tigers, but still, as your debut and you're consistently – that's the thing as a pitcher you need to do. You need to consistently be ahead in the count. So, And then um, there's videos on Twitter. Um, the tunneling of his pitches with his fastball and his curveball – it's just uh, it's crazy to see how good the pitchers are that the Indians keep producing, and it, it makes guys like we're going to get into who has some conduct issues with the team expendable. You don't need to pay him that money if you've got guys from AAA and AA coming up and throwing great, uh, having great outings. Yeah, that's what we saw with like the Kluber trade, the Bauer trade, and other trades that we've made historically, like. Didn't keep Cliff Lee. Didn't keep CC Sabathia. It's because we continue to produce like the best pitchers in the MLB. Like Tristan McKenzie was the ninth best pitcher that we, or the ninth best starting pitcher we had last year, and now he's making his MLB debut and he's dominant. And it's just really great to see a guy who's stepping up in our rotation, which has had all of the issues off off the field in the past week, and. Him and Pluko just plugged straight in, filled the hole of two of the best pitchers in the MLB so far this season, and they've looked great doing it. So we just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Tristan McKenzie. He's doing great. Hopefully – well, not hopefully, but assuming that um, Plesak and Clevenger don't come back to the team quite yet, uh, 
Tristan will get a couple more starts this year, yeah. and he's just a promising guy for the future, maybe to fill in the Carrasco role in like two to three years. Given how well our starters have been performing this year, like all seven of them, and the issues that Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger have had with going out to the club in Chicago and endangering Carlos Carrasco, uh, Perez was really mad about it, and just the whole team was pretty pissed that they did like jeopard put people in harm's way by like potentially getting themselves coronavirus and breaking quarantine. Given all of those things and the fact that our outfield has been so bad this year, the Indians are definitely going to be looking to trade for an impact bat at in the outfield positions before the trade deadline which is coming up because of how short the season is. So we're going to discuss potential trade deals. I can start off. This one is one that hasn't really been talked about that much. It was in an ESPN article a couple of days ago talking about potential trades. And essentially they said, Jock Peterson is not needed on the Dodgers. They have Mookie Betts. They have Cody Bellinger. Their outfield is stacked. Um, So Jock Peterson is probably going to be someone that the Dodgers are looking to trade. They tried trading him this offseason, but couldn't find a deal. So potentially trading uh, one of our starting pitchers, probably Clevenger, because Zach Plesak has more upside. Clevenger's already 29. Or trading something else for Jock Peterson would be a great move for us. He'd plug straight into our outfield and be a power bat that we can use. Have you guys heard of any other rumors? Yeah, um, obviously – the Yankees are obviously always looking to add talent no matter what. So I've seen a potential deal. Um, the Clevenger goes to the Yankees and we get back Clint Frazier, who we traded in the Andrew Miller trade. And we also get Miguel and Duhar, um, who's a good bat, but defensively he, he struggles a lot. Uh, also Miguel and Duhar, uh, for those of you who have forgotten about him, makes sense he's literally had like 50 at bats in the past two years after he won rookie of the year and i think 2017 he was a dominant player but the past two years he's barely been playing he's not even on the yankees squad right now because they have um geo urshela at third base who we also gave or we also had at one point and he sucked for us, but now he's like an MVP or like an all-star level player, which is annoying. But and Duhar has insane upside, but he's just been so bad in the past two years, and he's been playing mostly minor league ball and riding bench because of how good Giovanni Urshela is. So that would definitely be an interesting trade. And but Clint Frazier also is. He's been looking upside. really good. And yeah. yeah, he was um, our top prospect, and they forced yeah. they forced our hand and made us trade him for. Uh, to get Andrew Miller for the playoffs. Yeah. Another so, trade that I just I'll bring up. Another trade is um, the Red Sox, obviously another big team looking for pitching. They have no starting pitching besides like Nathan Avaldi, and he's really not an ace. And they could look at Clevenger. I've seen um, possibilities of Alex Verdugo for being a great get for the Indians if they can do it. I don't see why. The Red Sox would trade a guy with as much talent as Verdugo for Clevenger, but yeah. if you can get him, that would be great. And then another Red Sox player that I've seen, and this was in an ESPN article this, like I think it was two to three days ago, where they said like seven trades that very well could happen this year was Jackie Bradley Jr. to the Indians, where he's like an interesting player, not a powerful bat, but he's shown upside of being very good for as a contact hitter. 
and they have a lot of outfielders. Like they still have Benintendi and Pilar along with the two that we've named. So they're definitely a team that would be willing to dump um, outfielders. It's just I'm not entirely sure how willing they would be to sign Clevenger. They're not really in the playoff hunt right now because no. they've just been getting destroyed by being playing against AL East and NL East teams who are insane this year. So they're probably looking to build for the future. And Verdugo and Jackie Bradley Jr. won't both be there for the future. So we might have to trade one of our younger pitchers, maybe a Plutko or maybe just someone who's a prospect. But I think getting one of those two bats from the Red Sox would definitely be a smart move for us. So one sleeper team that I could see going in for Clevenger is the Atlanta Braves. Uh, their ace, Mike Soroka, went down with a Achilles injury, Achilles tear. So he's out for the season and probably a little bit longer. Um, I I don't know what they would give up. I'm not exactly sure what their prospects look like and what their outfielder, outfielders look like, but they're a team that's number one in their division and can compete now for a World Series. Yeah. One big thing that is probably a sigh of relief for a lot of Indians fans is because we've been doing so well, we're 17 and 11 as of recording heading into a series with the twins where if we can win a majority of the games, we take first place in the division. Um, And we're like ninth in MLB power rankings right now because of all of these things, we're probably not trading Francisco Lindor this year. We're probably going to try to win now and just see what happens with our team potentially maybe signing him back. But I think the outlook for Lindor right now is I is going to be either run his contract out, trade him in this offseason or before next year's trade deadline, or sign him back. I think we have him locked down for the rest of this year, especially considering all of the teams that are competing in the AL and the NL right now all have insane shortstops. Like Yankees are locked at shortstops. A's are locked at shortstop. Astros are locked at shortstops. Twins have a pretty good shortstop. Dodgers have don't have money to pay anyone else, but they also have a good shortstop. And like same with the Padres. So all the top teams don't need a shortstop. We should be holding on to him for at least another year. Yeah, looking at how the Indians have done uh, recently, they've been looking a lot better. And we'll probably have an episode coming out pretty soon. We'll make it in the next couple of days, going in more uh, more into depth on them. But uh, transitioning into the Cavaliers now. The NBA draft lottery was just this uh, past week. And as you probably heard, the Cavs got the fifth pick. Uh, I'll just read through the other picks in the NBA. So uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves got the first pick. Um, Golden State Warriors got the second pick. And we were right with them in the odds calculator to, you know, a percentage chance of getting the number one overall pick number two overall pick, it was pretty similar. So, I mean, we were kind of the team that got left out of the top, you know, four, I guess. But uh, so the Hornets got the third pick, kind of a surprise, I guess. And then the Bulls got the fourth, and then we're at fifth. So, I mean, looking at uh, the guys who will probably be there for us, obviously Anthony Edwards is going to be gone. Would love to see him. James Wiseman is going to be gone. Would have loved to see him. I think Lamelo they're going to be probably the going to be gone top. Too. I think they're going to be the top two picks for sure. Wiseman. I think it's going to go uh, Anthony Edwards to the Timberwolves and then Wiseman to the Warriors. Or yeah, you could see the Warriors trade their pick. Yeah, the Warriors have been too. considering doing that. Um, 
The team that I'm really intrigued by, because I'm trying to predict it to see who would be left for the Cavs, is the Hornets. I have no clue who they're going to draft. Like, if LaMelo's there, do they take another guard? <clears throat> or do they go for, like, a younger, small forward prospect who can be developed? But I think uh, for the Cavs, we'll have – I think Obi Toppin might still be on the table for us, which is something I'm excited about. Yeah, looking at the ESPN, like, mock draft predictions – they're kind of all over the place. Uh, before, like before, I saw them, I was like, "This is just like crazy what they're saying." You know, they have Lamelo going number one to Minnesota. You know, who has D'Angelo Russell? You know, already a big playmaker. I don't know why they would need uh, Lamelo Ball there. Um, they need more of a wing, to be honest. So I could see them taking Edwards definitely. Uh, also, uh, Wiseman. I mean, we don't know what the Warriors would do with their pick. Um, they have Anthony Edwards going two to Golden State and then Wiseman going three to Charlotte. But, I mean, you could flip yeah. Wiseman to Warriors. And then, I mean, Anthony Edwards is probably going one. And then, I don't know. It's it's kind of just give or take. You know, we don't know what's going to happen on draft night. But they have Obi Toppin going number four to the Chicago Bulls. So, I mean, the top three right now are LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and Wiseman. And then the fourth one could be, like, Toppin, uh, uh, Kongwu, um, Isaac Okoro, someone like that. And then they have us taking Denny of Deja at the fifth pick, which no. I thought was kind of crazy. No. That's a terrible no. fit for us. We do need a forward to fill in for Chetty, but, like – can't shoot. Can't yeah. Shoot. There, there's he has not been looking very good. He, he can't shoot, and he doesn't have the upside yeah. defensively that yeah. Isaac Okoro has. So well, I'd yeah. rather take Okoro over Denny Abdija. Yeah, yeah, one thing that I did see, shoot. one thing that I did see was the Cavs. I read somewhere are high on Isaac Okoro, and he's also not like a great shooter. But apparently, like the Cavs front office thinks we can fix it, thinks that we can fix his shot and yeah. make him into like. I guess, like, a bargain Kawhi if we do fix his shot. Like, he's a lockdown defender already, and he's got the length. So, if he gets a shot, he'll be a very, very good player. I'm pretty confident we can develop a shot. I mean, people yeah. were saying Colin Sexton can't shoot coming out of the draft. He shot 40% his rookie year from three. Yeah, like he can, He's now being able to shoot. Tristan Thompson, who didn't have a jump shot, is somehow making threes last yeah, year. That was Andre Drummond when he came that was that came out of nowhere. Threes. Yeah, Andre Drummond was taking threes for us. Like we have yeah. I, I don't know if it's player development, but it's just shot development. We're pretty yeah. good at that, I think. So I'm confident in picking a Koro. Or if we're not gonna pick a Koro, if he's yeah. not there, I love Obi Toppin. Same here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I just think he's a dynamic player, dynamic scorer. I know people are saying he didn't play against the best competition. Um, and he's somewhat stiff defensively, but I just I I think he has a lot of upside and especially offensively. Yeah, yeah. So besides those guys, I think the other main option that the Cavs are considering with our pick is trading it. So um, we've we've all discussed this in our group chat and over the phone already. But the big trade that was rumored recently was Ben Simmons to the Cavs. Obviously, to make it happen, the pick's going to the 
76ers right away. They're going to get the fifth overall pick. And we'd also probably have to get give them one or two of Colin Sexton, KPJ, and Darius Garland. Yes. Which, so originally when we first said it, I did not like it. But now that I've been thinking about it, I've been opening up to it more. What do you guys think about possibly getting Ben yeah. Simmons? So I've never been much of a Ben Simmons fan myself. But as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, we should tr- we should definitely try to do this. Like, you know, we're on the border of like small market team. We're kind of just in the middle somewhere. We're not really a small market team, but we're not a big market team. So yeah. getting a star player like Ben Simmons is really hard for a team like us to do. And I think we should just go for it and try to do it. Obviously, uh, Philly's kind of just a mess right now. They just fired Brett Brown. Embiid's future is shaky at best. They're for, considering you know, hiring but, Tyrone Lue right now, which yeah, obviously is a bad idea. We've seen him, Coach. I mean, Philly's just a mess right now. So the, it's kind of a pipe dream. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean also, the decisions Elton Brand makes, that could happen. Yeah. Like, they're not a well – they signed Al Horford to, I think, yeah. a terrible contract. Like, he was terrible this season. Absolutely yeah. abysmal. I and think – go ahead, go ahead. Uh, like, in terms of Ben Simmons, like, I think that works really well. I think that, like, we need someone to facilitate. We don't have anybody that can really pass the ball. Ben Simmons can pass the ball and yeah. he can play defense. Yeah, we and have he's a big. Yeah. And he's big. Play defense. The and- one thing that I like about it is he is like a big guy, and all three of KPJ, Darius Garland, and Colin Sexton are small for their position. So yeah. we need yeah. someone to accommodate for that. With I, I personally, yeah. my take on the trade is as long as we keep Colin Sexton, I'm okay with it. I personally think Colin Sexton and Ben Simmons together would be a filthy backcourt. Like, Ben Simmons is built for, uh, like, a shooting guard, like Devin Booker, like Colin Sexton, like Jimmy Butler, like one of those guys who can dominate on the ball. But also, like, if you need a point, you can just give the ball to Ben Simmons. They can be a spot-up shooter. Yep. Also, yeah. I'd be really excited to see Kevin Love with Ben Simmons. Like, the, the one thing the 76ers need is shooting. I think the Cavs, besides Drummond, I don't know how Drummond or Thompson would fit into this, but you could run a lineup of Larry Nance at the power forward and Kevin Love at the center and just have mm-hmm. shooters all around. <laughs> it would I mean, yeah. be crazy. The problem that Ben Simmons faced this, you know, this year was having Al Horford, who his <laughs> shooting just really digressed Trash. and Trash. he's been terrible. Even and Joel Tobias Harris. In the paint. Yeah. Even Tobias Harris struggled from three Even Josh Richardson struggled yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Like they they got rid of Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick. They let both of them walk, and they signed a bunch of big men, <laughs> which obviously yeah. we, we do have a lot of big men, but like they're all either developing a shot or are Kevin Love and are yeah. already Kevin great Love's a better shooter, shooter than any big men the, the yeah. 76ers have. Yeah, so talking about like the young player that we might trade, you know, I'd probably see us going with Garland because looking at the 76ers, they need playmaking. Like that's what they've just missed. And they're, you know, getting swept by the Boston Celtics playoff run. Uh, (laughs) Raul Nato is the best playmaker on that team. Like he's the best passer on that team. Uh, He's the only like real point guard that they had. So we'd probably have to give up Garland. And then 
on top of that, the pick, and then maybe something else. On, Windler. Windler might go. They need that's shooting. what I was my, saying, yeah. My worry is that they might, because it's only the fifth overall pick and this draft kind of sucks, besides like the first couple who have high potential, I think I'm worried that they might demand KPJ and Garland. And if that's if they ask for two of our three young guys, I'm not okay with it. Yeah, well, yeah. let's just say – let's just say, like, LaMelo has a – I know everyone hypes him up, but he has a good chance of falling to five yeah. just because of the guards in each team. Yeah. Like, teams that, uh, Bulls don't well, need guards. No, no, no. Warriors no. don't I, need guards. Uh, Timberwolves don't need guards. To be honest – Warriors it, don't need guards. That's the four teams. If, so if, if LaMelo falls to four, I see the Bulls taking I don't see him taking – Over you have, If you have Kobe White and Zach Levine, there's no reason to take LaMelo. You don't need him. You have a, a young backcourt pair. For them, it might just be take best available. That's yeah. my my worry is the Bulls and the Hornets are both in a position where they have like a weird amount of young players who could have high potential, and they have like one at every position. So they're just going to take whoever they think is the best player. I, I don't see the Hornets giving up on Terry Rozier just yet. They signed him to a big contract. True. I don't know how they could do that yet. Yeah, yeah the Hornets want. Uh... They want a big man, really. So, I mean, they're going to take Wiseman if he's there. Unless a team trades up for LaMelo, which is definitely possible. Like, I could see LaMelo falling to five and the 76ers going, if we're trading Ben Simmons, we need a point guard, right? Yeah. We're going to need a guy that can facilitate like Ben Simmons. LaMelo can do that. He's a better shooter. He's not a great shooter, but he's a better shooter. So he pairs better with Embiid than Simmons. Mm -hmm. And he's a taller point guard. Like Simmons. Yeah. So I think yeah. it makes a perfect fit for 76ers. And that would mean that we're dumping KPJ with the LaMelo pick to get yeah. Ben Simmons. I, I can see that. Yeah. One, thing, yeah. one thing to go along with this whole discussion of which of our young players we would trade is uh, just recently the Cavs posted this, and it kind of flew under the radar in Cleveland news. I mean, like, in general, the Cavs – are the third team that people look at when it comes to Cleveland news. Like, LeBron's not here. Most fans don't give it damn about what the Cavs are doing, especially considering it's the playoffs right now and we're all just, like, having fun in quarantine in Cleveland and, like, none of our guys are doing anything. But Larry Nance, in an interview uh, just this past week for the Cavs, came out and said, didn't even mention Colin Sexton, but he said Darius Garland – and KPJ are two of the most talented players he's ever been with. Keep in mind, this man has played with LeBron James. He's played with Kobe Bryant. He's played with Kyrie for, I think, a little bit of a year. He's played with Kevin Love. No, he didn't play with Kyrie. Uh, yeah, well, no. he's, played, he's played with, like, Andre Drummond. He's played with a lot of all-stars. Like, his, his dad is, like, a Cleveland legend. So, he's like, he grew up watching, like, Mark Price play. Yeah. And a bunch of guys. He didn't even say it's the best guy he's played with. It's the best guy he's been around. So, the fact – and then he came out and talked about them, and he was like, KPJ is an athletic freak. He has all the tools he needs to be, like, one of those star small forwards that you see across the league, like Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, Kevin Durant, all those guys. And then, yep. according to Larry Nets, which, I mean, I don't have video of Cavs practice, so I can't confirm this or not, and none <laughs> of us can. But Larry Nets says yeah. that in practice, Darius Garland is pull pulling up from Damian Lillard and Steph Curry range with ease and hitting it. Which, yeah. like, if that's true, I've always been low on Darius Garland just because I didn't like the pick. But if yeah. that's true, I'm a little worried about giving up on this guy. Earlier that, this that was the thing with uh, 
I'll just go really quickly. That was the thing with Kobe Altman in the pre-draft workout. He's like, we went in for the pre-draft workout, and right as we saw this dude shooting, he went like three straight minutes, five straight minutes without missing a shot from three. Yeah, yeah. Like He just goes off sometimes, and we need to see that in the game. But I'm very high on Darius Garland. I think he's going to be a great player. But if you have the chance to get Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. you got to give him up. Yeah, I mean, so like I said before, hearing this Ben Simmons, you know, that we have an enticing offer for the 76ers for him, I was like, go with it, you know, go ahead. But now after hearing what Larry Nance said, I'm a little bit, you know, skeptical about trading Darius Garland. Oh, and okay. I mean, no. to me, to me, Kevin Porter Jr. is untradeable. Yeah, but, yeah. you know. Uh, you never know what the Cavs will do, but Darius Garland. I mean, okay, I don't but know. but do you think Ben Simmons has even? I, hit I think they should much. still go with it, but like something that's know, something that's it interesting. could bite us in the ass, you know, down the future. Yeah, something could, that's interesting to come could. to come along with this. It's interesting to think that like, say Lamelo does fall to the fifth spot, we might, based off of like the attitude within our uh, club or within our. Uh, locker room and like the attitudes of KPJ and Darius Garland who have both said that together they want to make Cleveland like an amazing team and win a championship here. We might see the Cavs trade Colin Sexton in the LaMelo pick for Ben Simmons. And that might be the enticing offer, which I personally would hate because I love him, but you never know. I think all three of those guys are on the table when we're looking at an all-star player like Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, you just know you're gonna have to give up one of those guys. Yeah. It's it's gonna happen. So yeah, it's something you have to accept, especially if you want to win now. If you want to win, you have to do it. Also, one thing: Do you think they throw in the Al Horford contract? Because I know they want to get out of that contract. They want to get out of it. Did they throw it out there and be like, "We'll take Drummond back," or "We'll take Love back," or something like that? Um. I, I'm not sure that that would work in any way because, like, the, the only way that works is if we, like, swap K-Love and Al Horford in the trade because we really aren't – like, despite how bad our team is, we're still paying a lot of money for our team with Drummond, Tristan, and K-Love. So I think it would have to be, like, a matching contract. I don't think we just eat it. Yeah. Say, say they want Kevin Porter Jr. and you go, we're not going to give you Kevin Porter Jr. We'll do something better for you. We'll take Al Horford off your books. We'll give yeah, you maybe, or or potentially we just say like we'll give you an upgrade on Al Horford. We'll go Kevin Love for Al Horford, and then Ben Simmons and Lamelo, or the yeah. the pick on either side. There's there's a lot of ways that we can define the enticing offer that we supposedly have for them. Yeah. We don't even know if like an offer is even like if it's even been discussed between the teams. Yeah, but yeah. just the fact that the Cavs office is thinking about like trading for an all-star and thinks our young core, at least two of our young core is good enough to potentially Mm -hmm. be competing right now. Makes me a little bit happy and makes me like less depressed with how bad our team is this year. One thing that I'm happy to see about the 76ers though, is that they finally fired Brett Brown. Um, He is probably the worst head coach I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, (laughs) Walton, Jim Boylan, but okay. Dude, Jim Brown, Brett Brown, with what he was given, just did absolutely nothing. Like, he had a 
star-studded team, sort of. Because he yeah. had, like, oh, five All-Stars. He, he, was one, oh, he was one shot away from beating the uh, the Raptors. No, because they then it would have gone to overtime. and they You never lost. know what happens. I do. I do know that they would have <laughs> lost. But, you know, Brett Brown's pretty terrible. We I think we should all agree on that. But back to, like, sort of a realistic thing, because, to be honest, I don't see the 76ers even taking uh, – I see them going with uh, Ben Simmons and sticking with him rather than trading him and then sticking with Embiid. I mean, if they even want to split them up. But back to the draft, uh, the three players that I think I would like to see us take, you know, one of these three would be a Kongwu, actually. I would kind of like to see him, even though we have big men. I think he could be really good in the future. And, he, you know, he's not Wiseman, but he's – sort of up to that level and I think he's going to be really really promising um and then Obi Toppin I mean he's not as young as the other guys uh but man he would fit in our system pretty well with what we have right now obviously um and then Okoro has great defense and let's be honest that's what we need at the small forward position so one of those three guys I think is who we're going to take I don't see us taking Denny of DJ unless we're just stupid, but yeah, uh, the last European guy that we passed on turned out pretty nicely. Yeah. So, so I agree with what your, the, all those prospects, Andrew, um, uh, as we wrap up this Cavs talk, I want to give out, give a shout out to a Cavs fan, a Cleveland boy, uh, Stipe Miocic, who, uh, retained his heavyweight, uh, championship, UFC heavyweight championship. Um, in a unanimous decision win over Daniel Cormier. And he, he, solidified he retired himself. the man. He, yeah. he solidified himself as the greatest heavyweight of all time. And now we get to see him either go up against Francis Ngannou, who is an absolute killer, but who he's beaten before. And he, if they face again, he's going to beat him again. And then the other fight is John Jones, because he just vacated his light heavyweight ch- championship and could yeah. move up to heavyweight. If He's he faces he face John faces John Jones and beats John Jones, there is a good conversation to have that Stipe is the greatest MMA fighter of all time. If he beats John Jones, yeah, yeah. it's also it's just great to see that how many goats Cleveland has. Like we, the greatest basketball player of all time, I think the greatest running back of all time in Jim Brown, one of the greatest football coaches of all time in Paul Brown, and now we have the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time. You gotta yeah. love to see it. I mean. What it was a couple episodes ago, we did our Mount Cleveland Mount Rushmores. Yeah, I think Stipe Miocic is on there now. Yeah, if yeah. we do a just all sports one, all sports, yeah. I think it's LeBron, Jim Brown, um, Bob Feller, Stipe. Yeah, one yeah. one from each team, and then Stipe's got to be on it. He's the goat of his yeah. division. Yeah, just a, a little betting that. advice for all you guys. Uh, Stipe is a underdog to Francis Ngannou. Um, if that fight does happen. Bet on Stipe. He <laughs> yeah. absolutely destroyed this man in the first fight, and he took him down, absolutely beat him up. Uh, Francis Ngannou has never uh, been uh, has never seen in another attempted takedown in any of his fights after Stipe. So guess what? He's still going to be garbage on the ground, and Stipe is going to kick his ass again. So yeah. uh, shout out to Stipe, the goat, um, yeah. the greatest heavyweight of all time, no doubt. Yeah. The one thing that, you know, if he does face, like, John Jones or Francis Ngannou, um, like, 
Sipe is his age is getting up there. He's already thirty eight. You know, he's got he's got a couple of years left. So yeah. I hope he gets it in soon. And I mean, John Jones is still sort of young, but I the mean, amount of money this dude yeah. is gonna make off of those yeah. fights. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And keep in mind he's still a fireman in Cleveland. Yeah. Area, so great guy. Great great, great overall. Great guy. Dude in yeah. So with that, we're gonna wrap up this episode. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Again, apologies for not posting recently. We all had to move all over the country for college and get used to this whole like Zoom life for college. Yep. Uh, so with that, we're going to end it. Um, make sure you check out our Twitter, our Instagram, at MadDogPod. We're going to be posting about this episode. We still live tweet all the games. We tweet about news updates. It's like I would suggest if you want to follow a Cleveland Twitter account that just tells you what's going on, put us on notifications. You'll get a couple of tweets from us every day about interesting stuff. Uh, yeah. Make sure to get in the conversation too on Twitter. Like we're tweeting a lot and uh, like our, like our uh, tweets comment on them and we'll reply to you and uh, we'll give you our take on any really subject in, in Cleveland sports. Uh, but yeah. Also, um, make sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, share it with a couple friends you might uh, that might be interested in Cleveland sports and interested in the conversations we have. Yeah, so with that, we're going to end this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.